Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 10 of Mad Max. Happy Friday, everybody. We're at the end of week two. So this minute starts with Roop calling in to say that Big Bopper's out of the chase, and it ends with Max putting his interceptor into drive. <laughs> So, like I said, the minute starts with Roop calling into dispatch, but I noticed on repeated viewings that he's not the only one on the radio trying to contact people. Goose is sitting there on the side of the road. Well, not on the side of the road. He's on, on his, his side, side in the road yeah. <laughs> trying to call Max to say, hey, you need to get on this. And meanwhile, Roop just reaches up and starts calling into. MFP headquarters saying, ugh, they're out of the race. Okay, well, in his defense, and this is hardly in his defense. So the first thing he says, okay, we're we're out of the race. We're done for. He seems very dejected by oh, yeah. that, that he is finally conceding that the car can go no further. And then he's like, oh, and by the way, send a meat truck for Charlie. Now. As an afterthought. Almost. Now, I have a question for you. He asks for an ambulance, and then he describes Charlie's situation. How did that sound to you? Okay, I actually kind of skipped over those words because I knew that you had the script. I don't have the script, so I knew that you would know exactly what he said because it was a jumble of words, and I haven't the faintest idea. Mm -hmm. So the script that I found online, and I have, once again, a disagreement about <laughs> what uh, what is being said. According to the script, it says, Charlie's copped the saucer in the throat, which makes no sense to me. But what I hear, uh -huh. alternatively, is that Charlie's copped a sore spot in the throat. And I feel like that just makes more sense. It does make more sense. I've also heard people say that he's caught a sauce pot in the throat. Okay. But I will go down defending that he caught a sore spot. It just okay. makes more sense to me. It's I'm going to go with you on that because I got nothing from that. I got the Charlie's something and then in the throat. Yeah. <laughs> it's between that that I haven't the faintest. So we actually, we see the after effects of this crash on Charlie later in the movie. But before we go much further, I figured now would be a good spot to talk about John Lay and Steve Millichamp as actors outside of their roles as Charlie and Roop. Excellent. We do continue to see Charlie and Roop throughout this movie. They show up in later scenes. Yes. But, you know, now's as good a time as any. So John Lay, who plays Charlie... His top four on IMDb, obviously the best thing he's known for is Mad Max, where he played Charlie. The second on his list is BMX Bandits in 1983, where he played a character named Mustache. He played in 1982's Turkey Shoot as a character named Dodge. And The Last Outlaw, which is a TV show or a TV series in 1980, where his character was named Dan Kelly. 
So of those four, the one that stood out to me was BMX Bandits because it's it's bandits on BMX bikes. It it seemed odd to me. So I clicked over it. John Lay is actually listed as one of the leads in that movie, along with David Arg and a little-known actress named Nicole Kidman. Ah. Yeah. BMX Bandits was one of four roles that she played in the year of 1983. So this was one of her first movie roles, playing opposite John Lay and David Arg in BMX Bandits, which, according to the synopsis on IMDb, it's a bunch of kids who are really good at riding bikes, and they find a box full of radios and get involved with bank robbers. As you do. As you do. So that's what John Lay was doing. Steve Millichamp, on the other side of the coin, his top four include Mad Max, number one, where he played Roop. He... Number two is Romper Stomper from 1992, where he played a character named Rami Bill, or where he played a character named Pommy Bill. Number three is Road Games, 1981, where he played an unnamed police officer, playing to type. And number four, he played in a movie called 20th Century Oz in 1976 as Second Truckee's Mate. So. His first role on TV was in 1975 on the show Homicide, which, last minute, we talked a bit about the pirate movie. Homicide is another Australian production that you might recognize. When we were talking about Telford Jackson back in Minute 7, he was also on Homicide. So this is another overlap of Australian actors all working on the same thing. He also played a bartender in one episode of the Mission Impossible TV series in 1989. Oh. And out of the four movies in his top four, the one that caught my eye was Romper Stomper because it's a Russell Crowe movie, which also happens to be about neo-Nazis in Melbourne. (laughs) (laughs) Russell Crowe plays like the lead neo-Nazi of this little skinhead group. Now, I couldn't find specific information about Pommy Bill, but I know that he's not one of the skinheads. So at least he doesn't play a Nazi. Okay. After we leave Big Bopper, we go over to Goose, who is still trying to use the radio. I imagine using that radio is kind of like trying to use the internet in the 90s. You're trying yeah, to get on and then someone picks up the phone and you have to try all over again. Yeah, you gotta wait your turn. Which, if that's the case, then Knight Rider just riding with his radio on, just talking all the time, that was a pretty good strategy. Mm. So, Goose radios over to Max and lets him know that the situation is 100% snafu'd. Yep. So, situation normal, all effed up. (laughs) And Max asks if everyone is okay, how's the damage, and I love the line that Goose comes back with, nothing that a week in the tropics can't fix. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I like that even though we we haven't seen Max interact with any officers directly at this point, that even over the radio, him and Goose have this rapport, this friendship that we can immediately see. Yes. Because he's expressing concern over Goose's welfare, and then Goose is being light and jokey about it, and He's not getting rebuked by Max for being lighthearted. Mm-hmm. So I like that they have this pre-established friendship here. Yes. It's at this point that we see the tow trucks arrive. 
they've finally caught up. I imagine the tow trucks were driving the speed limit and being super safe on their way over to... Oh, I'm sure they were. ...where they were. But the tow trucks with their giant car tires were able to go up over the curb and come around the caravan in order to get into position to start towing things away. In the background, behind the pickup truck, you can see the wrecked caravan, and it actually, from this angle, you can see how hollowed out it is. So it's plain to see that they had outer walls and then just nothing inside. Yes. Which explains why Big Bopper was able to go right through it the way it did. Yes. If there were pieces of furniture or pipes or electrical connections or pieces of furniture, you know how they had built-in benches and things like that. Yeah. If there was that stuff in the way, Big Bopper might not have gone all the way through as cleanly as it did. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, cleanly being a relative term, considering that there's just debris all over the place. Aside from the caravan, and I pointed this out to you as we were watching this minute before we started recording. Yes. You can see uh, Scuttle in the background walking around the front of the car and kind of heading off towards the side of the road. And what that tells me is that Scuttle, completely fine. If not, banged up. Yes. He was able to get out of the car get up and start walking enough to get off the road. I don't think Sars survived, as we met, as we discussed last minute. I concur. And part of that is when we see Scuttle walking towards the side of the road, he's not doing so with any urgency. Mm-hmm. He's not checking the other side of the car to check on Sars. He's, he's behaving as if Sars is already gone. Right. And he doesn't need to worry about Sars anymore. He can worry about himself. So I agree. I don't think Sars survived. Yeah. And he seems kind of dazed. Like it's not a deliberative walk. It's sort of a dazed shuffle type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like he's not dragging his feet, but it also doesn't seem like he's he's walking determinedly. <laughs> yeah. So unfortunately, the two most competent officers in the first part of this race just gone yeah because i imagine with sars in the ground scuttle would want some time off which is probably why we don't see him for the rest of the rest of the movie perhaps so as the tow trucks pull onto the scene we see the carnage and we get that that question about damage and then the night rider decides to you know interject Mm -hmm. talking about oh you should see the damage metal damage brain damage all sorts of things and as I was watching the Knight Rider do his little rant here, I uh, want to go back to what I said earlier. Because I mentioned earlier that the Pursuit Special doesn't have a back seat. And that was wrong. The Pursuit Special does have a back seat. It's just that the Pursuit Special is a coupe. It's not a sedan. Oh, okay. So it doesn't so it... have back doors. Okay. Which makes it just as poorly equipped as an apprehension vehicle. Because if you've got someone handcuffed and you want to put them in the back seat, you have to open the door, flip the seat forward, let it slide up forward. You have to let them like climb over that front seat awkwardly because they're going to have their hands behind their back. It just It's not a good car when you've got someone handcuffed in the back. It's not helpful. Absolutely. All. Terribly awkward. But there is a back seat, and I just wanted to clarify that. All right. Without having to do an extraneous note from the corrections department. <laughs> So, we actually get a little bit of IMDb fun fact trivia in this minute. The 
words that he's saying on in his little rant here, some of the lyrics are taken from the ACDC song Rocker. Uh, the lines that are specifically used are, I'm a rocker, I'm a roller, which if you've ever heard that song, that phrase, I'm a rocker, I'm a roller, is used about 24 times. Yeah, I looked up the lyrics and, and that there's, yeah, there's not much else besides I'm a rocker, I'm a roller. Yeah. The other line that is used from the song is, I'm a right out of controller, which is why we saved this fact for this specific minute. The fact yeah. that it says, I'm a rocker, I'm a roller, and I'm an out of controller. Uh, so in this rant, the Knight Rider refers to his girl by using the phrase, it's me and my Marmaduke. And you mentioned that last minute as interpreting that as being her name specifically. Yes. So I did some digging. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I found a few discussion boards on madmaxmovies.com. Um, they were discussing this very subject there. And there are a lot of theories that are flying around about what he meant by that. The, the first theory I found um, suggests that, like you thought, it's just her name mm-hmm. being Marmaduke. Um, another post suggested that it could be a pet name or a slang term. And I kind of took that and did some looking around on other websites trying to find justification for that reasoning. Marmaduke doesn't seem to be a slang term used in any common vernacular as a denotation of a significant other. Okay. Like, it's not used... As if someone was saying baby or hun or any sort of, you know, signifier. There were a lot of entries on Urban Dictionary that had nothing to do with what was being discussed in this minute or how the word was being used. Um, I'll let people look that up on their own time, but it's <laughs> not not specifically related to this minute. A lot of references to the Marmaduke comic strip, um, just not always in the way that you would assume okay that was a fun one the other suggestion that i found is that the marmaduke he's referring to isn't actually the woman in the car with him but the car itself because the whole idea of marmaduke is in the comic strip at least he's a large dog and it's kind of the the idea of a large dog living in a domestic settings and they make a bunch of jokes about him being a, a large animal and so that theory posits that Marmaduke denoting something large, the car is something large. And so it's going to be him and the car, as he says, paving a rubber road to freedom. I think that's in the next minute where he says that specifically. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, I found another website called waltzingmorethanmatilda.com, which okay. is a internet depository for things like Australian slang. It described Marmaduke as an Irish name, meaning the follower of St. Madoc, who is an Irish saint or something like that. I didn't too, do too much in I didn't do too much research into Madoc as a saint, but I severely doubt that him using the phrase Marmaduke has anything to do with saints. It's not it's so it's not entirely clear 100 percent what mm. he's talking about when he says Marmaduke. I will give you that. Okay. <laughs> I think if it was her name, I feel like they would have thought to put that in the credits. But these are also the same people that credited Peter Culpin as the caravan driver when he was very obviously not sitting behind the wheel of a pickup truck. And totally stole away the title of caravan driver 
from D Trailor. It should have been D Trailor Caravan Driver Peter Culpin Caravan Driver's husband. But that's a whole other minute I'm going back to. <laughs> As the Night Rider is ranting and raving, we are intercut with images of Max doing things like adjusting his glasses, tightening his gloves and whatnot. It occurs to me that okay, we're 10 minutes in. Yep. We have seen bits and pieces of Max. Still haven't gotten, like, a full face shot. Mm -hmm. We've heard his voice now. Uh, They're definitely going for the long, slow reveal. He has spent quite a bit of time preparing for this chase. Right. He finished doing whatever it was he was doing to his car, put it all back together, got himself cleaned up, suited up, put his uniform back on. He it seems much more purposeful, and now he is ready to join the chase. Right. He's been called, he is needed, he is ready to join, which we'll see in the next minute. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Rupe and Charlie, who entered the chase completely haphazardly. And we see the difference in the results. Yeah. You can almost say that the time that Max takes to prepare for entering this chase and by the end of this minute he has actually put the car in drive and he's starting to pull out onto the road but it almost it almost feels like a sort of preparatory ritual the idea of making sure the car is all in place making sure that the uniform is is on, making sure that the gloves are tightened and the glasses are in place. It's almost like a pre-game psych-up. Because he knows, and we'll see this in you know, the coming minutes next week, that he's got to really steal himself for what's coming ahead. He knows that he's got to overcome, not just physically, but psychologically, this adversary that he's going to meet on the road. As tiring as it may be, to sit and wait while he does all of these little things, it is significant when you think about it in the whole of what he's about to do. Yes, I agree. And it occurred to me that we've had this discussion before outside of the podcast about how you prepare yourself to go out into the world and that you should prepare yourself in such a way that as you're out in the world, you can focus on other people and focus on what you're doing so that you don't have to focus on yourself. He has taken the time to make sure that everything is in place so that when it's time, when, when he is called to join the chase, he is ready. He doesn't have to worry about where his gun is or that his gloves are on properly. They're already there. He doesn't need to consider those things. He's just ready to go. And there's also the added advantage that he has over Rupe and Charlie in that he is very involved in the upkeep of his vehicle, which we we get that based on him working on his car before yes. the radio chase really starts. That he has an intricate knowledge of the inner workings of his vehicle, and he can 100% trust the machinery that he's putting his life in. Absolutely. Because next Tuesday, we're going to see him directly confront the Knight Rider. And the amount of concentration and, for lack of a better term, guts that it's going to take to pull that off must take a lot of, 
mental preparation. Yes. I think what we can boil the last 10 minutes down to is that, yes, it was a physical chase and it was a physical battle with consequences and tragedy and casualties. It was very much also a psychological game that so far Knight Rider is winning. Oh, absolutely. I like that you brought up the idea of it being a psychological game because while Sars and Scuttle and Roop and Charlie were all involved in the race, March Hare was able to keep a level head. Scuttle was able to keep quiet and stay focused on the road. And with the exception of that final ramp that they hit, which was really difficult to avoid, they were staying calm, they were staying cool, they were staying collected, whereas Roop and Charlie, because they were getting baited by the Knight Rider with his taunts and him outsmarting them, they were not... They were not as mentally prepared for the race. They were not as mentally prepared for the chase as the other officers were. And that's why they crashed three times. Yes. Yeah, they really did crash three times. Yep. Once in the road sign, once in the van, and then once again in the trailer. Yep. I kind of like that. Yeah. That George Miller included not just a physical car chase battle, but also a battle of wits. Or maybe not wits... More like mental stamina. Yes. To, I... to try and outthink your your pursuer or try to outthink the pursued. I just noticed in my notes that Max asks over the radio if there's much damage. And Goose doesn't respond, but Knight Rider does. Uh, and he says, you should see the damage, metal damage, brain damage. At first, I took that to mean the physical injuries that have taken place. There's been plenty. But now that we've gotten into the psychological battle going on here, I think maybe that's more what he was talking about, that Knight Rider recognizes the psychological battle that's going on Mm. and comments that he has outsmarted them so far at every turn. One thing's for sure. It'll be nice to reach the end of this chase next week. (laughs) We... We've spent a lot of time in this first two weeks (laughs) talking about this chase specifically. Yes. And it'll be nice to finally reach the end of it. Yep. Have a conclusion and start getting into more of the narrative of the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Although, having said that, the narrative of the movie really is set up by this opening action scene. Mm -hmm. It's not just a gratuitous action scene to catch your attention and to entertain you for 10, 12, 15 minutes. It really does set up the rest of the movie. I think it just feels a lot longer for us because we've been so hyper-focused on this opening chase scene. Absolutely. It feels like the entire movie. For two weeks. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like this is what the movie is about. It's about this chase scene. (laughs) Yeah. Where it's Friday, did you have anything you wanted to suggest people to check out over the weekend? Yeah, I recently discovered a great podcast. Uh, It's called Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure, EGG Excellent. Um, It's about their journey with IVF, so you can check that out on iTunes, and I think Google Play, Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. And if you like the minute-by-minute podcast format and would like to find other movies done by other shows, you can go to a website called www.moviesbyminutes.com, and there is a sort of catalog with a couple dozen different shows 
that you can choose from. Everything from Clueless to Jurassic Park to the Goonies to Lord of the Rings, all sorts of stuff. And it even includes a link to the Star Wars Minute, which is really the grandpappy of all Minute Movie by Minute podcasts. So if you've never checked out Star Wars Minute, like I said, check them out first. Check out other any other movies you might find interesting. Moviesbyminutes.com On that note, our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash madmaxminute. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute, episode 10. We will see you on Monday. Motorbikes and leather men. Take-